Well, it's always great to be together. Great to see everybody, and happy Labor Day weekend. And I hope tomorrow you don't eat too much or feel too guilty for what you do eat. But it's going to be great. What great weather, too. Spectacular. So we have one more week that we're going to be in this room, and then after that we are next door uh, for all the winter months in the chapel. So uh, next week, of course, to Gordon Ashley's wedding. That gives them a chance to set up over there. So we're going to stay here in this room, and then after that we'll be in the chapel. Well, next, uh, last week uh, we talked about prayer. We talked about bold prayer. Audacious, shameless, reckless, rude prayer. So I hope you had a great week of prayer. I did. I was reckless, rude, bold, shameless, audacious, and importune. And I loved it. I thought, this is the way it is. Now, that may be a real shock to you, because if you weren't here last week, what I'm saying is probably, what on earth are you talking about? So we're going to do just a little bit of review, and then we're going to keep going, because there was, there was more to the message than I was able to say last week. So this is kind of like a part two to the teaching, what Jesus was teaching about prayer. Because when Jesus told the parable of the man who needed some bread, and at midnight he went to wake up a friend and said, I need bread. And the friend said, I, I'm not going to give you bread. I can't get up. But because of the man's shameless audacity, as Jesus told it, then the friend got up, not because the guy was a friend, but because of the shameless audacity, and gave him all the bread he needed. And Jesus is basically saying, that's exactly the way you need to pray. You shouldn't be given up. You shouldn't be uh, tender or shy or timid. You need to be bold. Go in and pray. Pray like you mean it. That's basically what Jesus said. Well, today we're going to look at how our relationship with God actually creates this shameless, audacious, intrepid, uh, importunity attitude that we can pray with. And so what we realize in studying this out is that prayer is a direct reflection of our personal relationship with God. That how we pray sort of defines what our relationship with God is. Whether we're timid, whether we're bold, whether we're afraid, whether there's no fear, it pretty much shows us where we are with God, prayer can define exactly how we see God. So I want to start with just reviewing what we kind of ended with last week. And that is all these people, these individuals in the Bible that were very bold about their requests. For instance, the Syrophoenician woman, woman in, the, in the Gospels. She basically was asking for her daughter to be healed and Jesus said no. He said, in fact, it's not even right to do what you're asking because you're not even a Jew. And she said, well, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Jesus was astonished by that. He said, because of your response, in other words, she was very bold in, in saying this. He actually answered her request because she was shameless in what she asked. She was audacious. And Jesus is saying, that's what I'm looking for. A lot of people didn't get their prayers answered. They didn't get their requests answered. Why? They just sort of blended in with the crowd, with everybody else. But this woman, she stood out. 
She demanded getting what she wanted. And Jesus said, okay, I'm going to do it. This woman actually changed Jesus' mind. That's pretty bold. How about blind Bartimaeus? He was the guy, you know, screaming for Jesus to heal him. And what the crowd was screaming at him, shut up, shut up, shut up. What did he do? Was he a people pleaser? He was the opposite of a people pleaser. He didn't do what the crowd was telling him to do. In fact, he ignored the crowd and shouted even louder. And because of that, Jesus said, I'm healing you. Because he was bold, shameless, audacious, importune. That's the kind of guy he was. How about the bleeding woman? Did she find an easy path to Jesus? What'd she have to do? She was pushing, shoving. Have you ever uh, been to Korea? I haven't. But I hear that to get around in Korea, you have to literally just shove, push, and it's not rude there. Like you're getting on a subway in Korea and people literally are pushing you, shoving you out of the way to get on. And I guess in Korea that's not rude. Well, I don't know whether this woman knew anything about Korea, highly unlikely, but that's what she did. And because she pushed through and was really bold and made it happen, Jesus ended up healing her. In fact, she was so bold, she didn't even ask Jesus. In fact, Jesus didn't even know he was healing her because she truly wanted it to happen no matter what. And so she got healed. Samson, what a life he led, huh? Righteous? Nope. Did he get his prayer answered at the end? Yep. How'd that happen? How do you get your prayer answered when you've led probably the worst possible example of a life in the entire Bible? And then he prays that God will strengthen him one more time. Remember, because of his sin, he'd become a slave. He'd lost his eyesight. He was blind. He was in prison. Delilah turned out to not be such a great choice after all. But God strengthened him one more time. He pushed. Everything came down. And he actually had the greatest military victory that one individual has done in the entire Bible. Talk about shameless audacity. And Joshua, this is the thing that really gets me, Joshua. So Joshua cries out to the Lord in the presence of Israel and says, Sun, stand still over Gibeon. And you, moon, over the valley of Ijalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped. Now, when you go back and look at this, this is kind of a ridiculous thing to ask of God because, first of all, this should never have happened where Joshua had to even call the sun to stand still because the Gibeonites were very shrewd. They made an alliance with Israel to have a protection agreement. God was not happy with this agreement because Israel was supposed to not make any agreements with foreign nations. And then Gibeon was in trouble, and so they said, hey, remember the agreement? Israel had to take out their entire army to defend this pagan nation. They were, they were victorious. And then what Joshua wanted was he just wanted to kind of clean up the battle. So he said, he said sun, stand still. Moon, stop. And God answered the prayer 
I tell you, that, that blows my mind. That has never happened and probably will never happen again that that happened. What, what gave all those individuals the nerve, the gall? What gave them the confidence that God would answer any of these prayers? They were kind of ridiculous. This in particular was ridiculous to have the sun stand still. There was, there was no example of that ever happening before. God had never made the sun stand still that we're aware of, and yet He asked for it. And this is what Jesus is telling us that we need to have in our prayer lives. That we need to be so bold as to ask anything of God. Even the most ridiculous things of God. And just kind of demand it. Not kind of. Demand it. The word an idea that we studied last week means just shameless, bold, audacious, importune, as if it's never going to happen. Because importune means next to impossible to port a boat. And Jesus is saying, that's how you need to pray. Next to impossible, if not impossible, but you pray and expect the impossible. That's what I'm looking for. God is searching hearts. Looking around, looking for those prayers, saying, that's what I'm looking for, that prayer. A lot of people pray. But are we praying the way God wants us to pray? How's your prayer life? What does your prayer life say about your relationship with God? Timid? Afraid? Insecure or bold, forceful, demanding, shameless, intense, conviction, walking firmly, demanding of God what you want. That's what Jesus is looking for today. Wow, that's intense. You know, that takes a lot of trust in God. You've got to be so convinced that God is all good. Omnibenevolent. He is all good. And you've got to be convinced that God is all powerful. Omnipotent. That there's nothing God can't do. So He's both all good and He's all powerful. And so you combine those two. He's all good. He wants all good. He's all powerful. And you're like, and I get to be His son? I get to be His daughter? Well, I'm going in. God is my daddy, and he's stronger than your daddy. And by golly, we're going to win this thing. Right, Dad? That's what kids do. That's what they think. That's what we need to do and how we need to think. You know, what really sticks out to me, however, is none of the people that we've looked at so far really had the evidence To do what they did. We today should have far more boldness than they ever did. The promises we have, the relationship with God we have, is so far greater than anything anyone had. It should make us 
super, super confident. And that's what we're going to look at. Today, we can be far bolder than they ever were. How? Look at Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19. How can we be bolder than they were? How, why should we be bolder than they were? Well, Hebrews 10.19 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Jesus was the sacrificial lamb. Jesus died for our sins. Did they have those promises back then? They didn't. But they were bold, even without the promises. God didn't tell any of them to be bold. But you know what He's telling us to do? He's telling us to be bold because of the blood of Jesus. Because of forgiveness. Because of the blood of Jesus. Today, we have the continual purification from all our sins. All the past sins. All the present sins. All the future sins. The blood of Jesus is purifying us from every single sin. What happens with guilt? Shouldn't you feel guilty? Guilt is a tool to get you to go to God. But the blood purifies you from every sin so that we have no guilt. Guilt is temporary. Guilt is that tool to get you to go back to God. But it's through God that we have no fear of judgment. Because we're saved. We're purified by the blood. And that makes us very, very confident. Now we're going to look at this word confident and bold. Because these are very strong words. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3 there in verse 2. Therefore, since we have such a hope, and what hope are we talking about here? Salvation, the hope of purification, the hope that we are saved completely from sin. That we don't have to worry about judgment in Jesus. If you're hidden in Jesus, if you're baptized into Christ, you have nothing to fear about judgment. Because you're hidden. So that when you stand in judgment before God, and He looks at you, what are you going to do? You're going to go like, uh, I hope this is going to work. <laughs> right? I hope I'm okay. So you're standing in judgment before God. And He looks at you. And you're like this. And He goes, well done, my son Jesus. And you're like, Jesus. Because when he looks at you, he won't see you. All he'll see is Jesus. That is going to fire me up on the last day. I'm going to go, yeah, man, this is awesome. Because I'm getting into heaven. You know, but that's how I need to be today. I need to live today as if, because it's true, I've already been judged. Because I read the Bible. I let the Bible prejudge me now so I have nothing to fear from the last day. I've gone ahead and read the Bible and decided to be a disciple. To be a follower of Jesus. To make Jesus my Lord. To commit to Him that He's in charge of everything. 
I've repented of my sins, changed my mind, metanoia. I have radically changed and continue to change my life. As I see sin in my life, I recognize it. I repent. I go to Jesus. I'm forgiven. I'm purified. And I'm like, yeah, this is good. I've been baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of all my sins. All the past sins, the present sins, the future sins. Because when you're baptized into Christ, you come in contact with Jesus' blood. Without the blood, there's no forgiveness. Without the blood, there's no confidence. Because the boldness we have is all because of the blood. And so a lot of people don't even understand this. They've, they've accepted Jesus, but they don't have the blood of Jesus. Because the only way to get in contact with the blood is to die with Jesus in baptism. To be buried with Jesus in baptism and raised to live a new life. To be born again, born of the water and the Spirit. That happens in baptism. So once you're baptized, you come out of the water and you're like, yes, look what God did. He forgave my sins. I have the blood of Jesus. This is amazing. We become true children of God. And so what does that cause in us? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Okay, so let me talk about this word. The word confidence and the word bold comes from the same Greek word, parasia. This is a good word to remember. Anidia was from last week. That's a good word to remember. This is a good word to remember. Remember, the New Testament was originally written in Koine, common Greek. It was a common Greek language. And so this was a common word in the Greek nation. Still is. Parasia. You know what parasia literally means? So I'm going to the Greek lexicon, which is a dictionary that takes the context of all the Greek words in the Bible and uses the dictionary definition to combine it with the contextual meaning in the Bible. So let me just read for you the definition out of the lexicon for parasia. Because this is how we need to be. We need to be bold, which is parasia. We need to be confident, which is parasia. Okay, this is what it is. Freedom or frankness in speaking. Freely saying all that one thinks. Think about that prayer. All that you please. Confidence. Boldness. Unwavering. Fearless. Unhesitating confidence of faith in communion with God. That means that in your personal relationship with God, there's no distance. It means God is right there. You're right with God. And so you talk to Him as if He's right there. You talk to Him because you're bold. Because you've been forgiven. You're His adopted Son. You know that. And so you're very bold with God. That's what prayer is supposed to be. Very bold because He's right there. Distance shows that something's wrong. Fear shows that something's wrong here. Guilt shows that something's unresolved here. Intimidation. I don't know what God thinks. Something's wrong. We should never have that type of prayer. If you do have that type of prayer, you've got to get it resolved. Because that's not what God is looking for. He's not looking for this distant communication. He's looking for your heart, your boldness, your shameless audacity in asking anything you want. No empty space between you and God. So Dr. Spiros Sohiates goes on in the Greek lexicon to say this about parousia. It is that which removes the fear and anxiety which characterize man's relationship to God. 
Isn't that cool? It removes all the fear and anxiety because you've been forgiven. You have no fear. You have no anxiety. You're free. It's as if you just got baptized every day. It's as if every day you just got your sins forgiven. Because it's true. Because in Jesus, that's exactly what happens. You get your sins forgiven constantly. No wonder we can be so bold. Because when you've been that forgiven and have no guilt, and you know you're right with God, and you know God's your dad, and you are just like this, you are with Him like this, you become very confident. No wonder Jesus is saying, you need to pray, not with stained glass language, not with these and thous, and make sure you say it in the right way, and make sure you're really, really respectful. Jesus is saying, scrap that. That's for people that are insecure. That's for people that don't understand prayer. Don't do that. Don't do that with God. Just go to Him bold. Now look, I can see if you're not right with God, that would be tough to do. But for those of us that are right with God, we need to repent. We need to change our mind here and not just, please, pretty please, God, can you kind of, you know, hey, I'm hoping you'll... That shows you're not right with God. The person that's right with God is, this is what I want. Hey, lead me to some soul today. I want an open person today. I'm going out. Somebody wearing red, they're open. I'm sharing with everybody that's wearing red. And it happens. You know the stories. We all have stories. Oh, yeah, I did that. Oh, yeah, how many people here did that kind of thing? Yeah, we know those stories. When was the last time you did it? Uh, guess what? Let's do it again. Let's do it again. It says, well, I want to go over to Acts chapter 4. Look at this. You know, James says the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. It's not that we're righteous on our own, nothing that we do. It's all God's. But if you know you've been forgiven, your prayer is powerful and effective. Look at the confidence of the first century church and the boldness the apostles had because of their forgiveness. Acts chapter 4, verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, and that word there, parousia, when they saw the boldness, the courage, the, the just frankness, when they saw the parousia of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. So they should not have been this bold and courageous. They were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. That must be the only reason they're so bold is because they've been with Jesus. That's a Christian. Every Christian is that bold. So if you're not bold and confident, you need to think something isn't right here. Because forgiveness makes you very bold in sharing your faith, in going to God, in reading the Bible, in transformation, in asking God to change your heart. We are very, very bold. Look at Acts 4.31 here. After they prayed... The place, and so how do you think they were praying? After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. Talk about bold prayer. And let me make one note. It doesn't, it, the volume of your voice doesn't matter. Okay, you don't have to be shouting to God. He doesn't have a hearing aid. You can shout to God. People do. That's great. That's great. Shout. Whisper. Be silent. It's not the volume that counts. What is it that counts? 
It's the bold, confident, intrepid, shameless faith. It's like I know my daddy, and he's listening. Nehemiah prayed with his eyes open facing the king, and that prayer wasn't very long. And God answered his prayer because he was bold. It says the meeting place was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly. That's that parousia again. Free, fearless, confident. This is a cheerful courage. It's a boldness. Confidence impelling one to do something, the dictionary says. That when you have this parousia, it compels you. You've just got to share. You've just got to do something. I love that definition, don't you? Now, some of us are like really shy. So you're like, I could never do that. I could never be that way. Let me say this. It has nothing to do with your personality. Nothing to do with your character there. It doesn't matter whether you're shy or you're like me screaming. It's all about, what's it about? It's all about the heart. It's all about that confident walk with God because that makes you bold. Whether you're shy or not. But here's what happens with shy people. They start focusing on the forgiveness. They start focusing on what they got from God. They start focusing on that last day. And you know what happens to them? They get a little bolder. And then they keep focusing on it. A year goes by with them always focusing on their forgiveness with God. And guess what? They get a little bolder. You know what happens with shy people when they're really focused on the promises of God? They turn into kind of bold people. They turn into that guy knocking. Hey, I would eat bread right now. They turn into that persistent widow. Grant me justice right now. And God says, yep, that's what I'm looking for. That bold person. The word parousia is the opposite of the word shame. Sometimes we go to God in shame. Now again, guilt is a tool to take you back to forgiveness. Right? You should never live in guilt. In fact, you shouldn't even go five minutes in guilt. You just go right to God and become bold again in that. This is relationship prayer where we can call God our Abba, Abba Father. Where we can go to God, there's no space in between us. We're like little kids. We're shamelessly asking for whatever we want. No guilt, no decorum to worry about how to pray. We become audacious and bold and fearless and intrepid, free to ask anything. Where our intimacy with God is tenacious. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity. You know, this brings up some questions. and I quickly want to go through these questions here. Because as we talked about this last week, a lot of questions got brought up. Question number one, will we become conceited and self-centered if we do this? We'll become like a spoiled child. You know, it can happen. Because if all you want is to manipulate God into serving your own personal prosperity, then I guess so. Now, that's what the pagans did, the idol worshipers. They were just looking out for their own personal prosperity. If that's all you're doing in prayer, that's not what God's looking for. He's looking for gratitude because of the death of Jesus to make us bold. You know, if you're advan- all about advancing God's kingdom on earth, man, you know your boldness is going to be answered right away. Even the Lord's prayer should be prayed in this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's what God's looking for. And in every prayer you pray. So yeah, you can become a spoiled, conceited child, but you know, if you're praying for what God wants, that ain't going to happen. You know, people have asked, what about my sin? Isn't sin a barrier? I don't deserve this. No, no one deserves it. But your sin is forgiven. That's what makes you so bold. Somebody says, well, what if I really, really, really mess up? You know, I can understand if you're in unrepentant sin and have rebelled against God and have no relationship with God, you're not going to have the confidence to put into practice what we're talking about. This just isn't going to happen. But the beauty is you can get your sins forgiven. You can come back to God. There's no one who has sinned so much they cannot come back. Yes, there are consequences to this sin. The consequences aren't going to go away. And one of the consequences is when you're hard-hearted and you've rebelled and you've gone so far away, your heart's going to have trouble believing you've been totally forgiven. doesn't mean you're not. You're just going to struggle with it. But again, you can come back. You can come back if you feel that way today. Do not leave here without getting resolved with the Lord. You can say a prayer just as I'm preaching. You can keep listening and keep praying at the same time. God, forgive me. I want that boldness. And God will answer that prayer. Somebody said, well, what if I'm just too rude? Won't God be offended? James said, you do not receive because you do not ask. God can handle it. People say, well, I don't want to be angry with God. Why not? The prophets were. Moses was. Are you any different? Be angry. Don't stay angry. Be angry. And then pray. God can handle it. Jesus is the one teaching us to be shameless and audacious here. Here's a, here's a big one. What if my prayers aren't answered? My feelings are going to get hurt. What if my prayers aren't answered? I'm going to have trouble praying the second time. You know, we do not pray. Well, let me put it this way. We're not praying because we have to have it. We are praying because we want to have it. Does that make sense? You don't have to have anything. Just heaven. That one you have to have. Heaven. Check. But God doesn't want you to be hindered in any way by this. We pray because we want something and God listens. Well, I'm going to get discouraged if my prayers aren't answered. Well, what are you putting your faith in? Your faith should not be in the outcome of your prayer, but in God Himself. Because you're convinced of His love, His power, His desire to be a perfect Father. The outcome of your prayer is not the paragon point. It's not the most important thing. It's the outcome of, it's the faith in God itself. That's the most important. It's expressing that faith, expressing that relationship, talking to God like he's your real dad, like you're a little kid. I want ice cream. That's what God's looking for. As I said last week, we get older, we get sophisticated. Well, dad said I could have it. So what are you going to say? You know, we try to manipulate God into something. 
rather than just going and being blunt. That's what he's looking for. Well, what if my faith is too weak? How big is the mustard seed? Well, let me ask you a question today. Do you have this much faith? Because that's the size of a mustard seed. My best demonstration of how big a mustard seed is. Do you have that much faith? Then you have all the faith you need. According to Jesus, you already have faith to move a mountain. You don't need any more faith. That's all you need. And besides, when you pray, this is what happened to me this week. Is that I was so convicted by the message last week <laughs> that I said, I've got I to gotta put this into practice. I can't be a hypocrite here. So I'm going to put this into practice. So I started really being bold in prayer. And I felt my relationship with God get closer and closer and closer. When you pray with that chutzpah, just that courage and just guts and shameless idea, you actually improve your relationship with God. You get closer. You feel closer. It's like this is what a relationship with God is all about. You know, I've been a Christian 37 years, 38 years, and now I'm discovering what a relationship with God is all about. No, I'm maturing in my relationship with God, and I'm realizing that I can get closer to God through bold prayer. That if I'm really gutsy and I'm out there really praying and asking it's actually, I'm going to get closer to God. This is what prayer is all about. You know, I just want to end with Hebrews chapter 3, verse 6, if we have it. Christ is faithful as the, as the Son over God's house. And we are His house if, indeed, we hold firmly to our parasia, our boldness, our confidence, our guts, our courage, our audacity, our importunity. And the hope in which we glory. You know, it's not just something to start with. We have to finish this way. What a privilege it is to have this kind of promise. What a privilege it is to go to the creator of the universe and ask anything we want and know that he's going to answer our prayers. What a privilege it is to serve the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. What a privilege it is to be adopted into his family. To be able to share in all the blessings, every spiritual blessing in Christ. To be able to go however we go and ask for however we want in a bold, shameless way. And God will bless us. Amen.